You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to call in the spirits to join us here today. So I call out first to our ancestors, to those who have gone before us, to your ancestors and mine, those who lived well and died well and bring to us the legacy of all that is good and true and beautiful in our ancestral lines. I call out to these helping spirits to be with us, to help us to understand how these ancient practices can be authentically used in our contemporary lives today. I call out to these ancestors to whisper in our ear and to guide us, to help us to know that no, hold on to that, don't let that change, and the yes, yes, let that go, do that in a new way. And I ask those ancestors to whisper those yeses and nos and to guide us that we might find a way to live in this world in a way that engages with the true energies that are underneath all that is apparent. So I call out to these ancestors strongly to be with us here today, to gather round, to hold us, to help us to do what must be done. And from that space within ourselves, we reach down from our heart into our bellies and into the earth, all the way into the center of the earth. And we give the earth gratitude for this day. All that this day holds, no matter what this day is, we give thanks for life. We give thanks for the wonder of life and take a moment to connect into the profound miracle of life. And the recognition that no matter what this day holds for you, it is a miracle. You are part of that expression of life. And we give thanks to the earth for the wonder of her dreaming that brought this miracle to the face of this planet. And we give thanks for her for that energy that is embedded at the very heart of this miracle of life, which is the capacity for transformation, the capacity for change and for healing and for moving forward in a way that draws on the wisdom of the past and opens up to the possibilities of the future. So we give thanks to the earth for home, for place, for belonging, and for groundedness. And we draw up the energy of the earth that we may be connected to the wisdom of manifestation and know how to be here in form in a good way. And we ask the energy of the earth to help us to feel the connection and the interconnectedness of all things and to know our place in that great web of life, to feel ourselves as part of that oneness and to know that we are absolutely essential and irrelevant at the same time and to stand in our place anyway, being the best expression of our soul's true purpose that we can possibly be. We ask the energy of the earth to help us in these efforts today. And with the energy of the earth drawn up into our bodies, we let our energies rise from our bellies to our hearts to our minds and out the tops of our heads and all the way up through all the layers of the sky, all the way up to the highest power of the universe. And by whatever name you call that power, I ask you to please call it down. Call it down into your life, into your body, into your day, and into these proceedings. We call in the energy of the sky to bring down all the wisdom of the cosmos to bring down protection 
to bring in blessing and generosity and all of the benevolence of the universe. And we call these energies in, into our bodies, and we draw the energy of the sky in and feel that moment that the energy of the sky meets the energy of the earth and these two great legendary lovers begin to dance within ourselves. Dancing and mixing and merging, bringing in the energy of the earth and sky within our own bodies to help to bring us into balance for who we are in this day. And with our own inner space enlivened by the energy of the earth and sky, we call out to the spirit of the heart to awaken. And we call out to the energy of the heart to be that great crucible of change and transformation that only it can be. And we ask the energy of the heart to call up the fiery passions of the belly and down the crystal clarity of the mind to draw these energies together in the heart and let them be with each other in such a way that a third energy is born. And that is our knowing of why we are here our connection to our soul's purpose. And I ask that each one of you can reach deeply into your heart to find the courage to bring that purpose out in your life in some way and to begin to truly bring your gifts to the world. So with these energies called in, the spirit of the heart, the earth, the sky, and the ancestors standing round, I ask that these proceedings go forward in a good way for all living things. That what needs to be said is said and that what needs to be heard is heard. And that we are all better able to make our soul's purpose manifest in this day because of it. So I want to give thanks to those of you that are helping to keep the show alive and on the air and free to those who choose to access it or who are able to access it. I want to give special thanks to Joan and Cecilia and all of the listeners who have donated financially since last week. If this show is meaningful to you in any way, if it moves you in the heart, I don't care what direction it moves you in. It doesn't matter to me. If it moves you in the heart, your heart has been touched. And if this is the case for you, I ask you to please allow that movement of the heart to move you into action. And this is the essence of shamanism, to feel the power of the heart and allow it to guide you in your actions in the world. And so I ask you to do something if you've been moved by the show, to do something for the show. Either to donate, to go to whyshamanismnow.com and donate any amount, large or small. It all goes directly to keeping the show on the air. And we are deeply grateful for every penny, ruble, euro, and peso, if there's even still pesos. But anyway, we give thanks for all of it. But we also give thanks for those of you that link the show to your site, that talk about these ideas, that do them in your life and get back to me with questions, ideas for shows. All of this is what keeps the show alive and vital and useful for those of us who are living shamanically in this time or exploring that possibility or renewing it. Whatever it is, we want the show to be of service. And this can only happen through the connection and interconnection with you. So I give thanks to all of you for all that you are doing to help to, help to keep the show alive and vital and useful, meaningful to you. So my profound gratitude to you today. I'd also like to give thanks to the, found, uh, to the Society of Shamanic Practitioners because today is a show sponsored by the Society and it is um, an interview show. And so I want to give thanks to the, to the Society of Shamanic Practitioners, and you can find them on the internet at shamansociety.org. I would also like to thank our guest today, Colleen Dietzman. Hello, Colleen. Are you with us? Yes, I am. Thank you for having me. Yeah, welcome. 
So for those of you that don't know, Colleen has been exploring health and wellness, self-healing, personal growth, spiritual development, and shamanism for over 25 years. She has earned a wide array of degrees and certificates and licenses on this journey. She is also the author of five books, including The Hollow Bone, A Field Guide to Shamanism, which is um, one of the books that we'll be talking about today or speaking from today or something like that. But anyway, Colleen offers trainings and workshops and online classes in shamanism, which can all be found through her website, ColleenDietzman.com. So C-O-L-L-E-E-N-D-E-A-T-S-M-A-N.com. So as a healer, Colleen knows from personal experience what it is like to be devastatingly ill, fatigued, depressed, frustrated, and lost. So for 10 years, Colleen was one of the hopeless who suffered from a chronic illness that traditional medicine could not effectively treat. So determined to live a life fully again, she embarked on a journey of self-healing and spiritual awakening that led to a complete recovery and a comprehensive program that benefits all who follow it. So for those of you who are in that boat and would like to make a commitment to get yourself out of it, I would suggest that you check out Colleen's site and her books and Colleen after the show. I mean, if you would like to email her, you can reach her at cdeets3, the number three, at gmail.com. So um, also, we are live this week. Uh, so if you would like to ask a question, you can email me at christina at lastmasscenter.org and I will read your question on the air. Or you can call in at 512-772-1938 or you can Skype from the co-creatornetwork.com site. And these are all of the many ways that you could join us on the show today. So without further ado, back to you, Colleen. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us here today. You're welcome. Thank you, Christina. It's really an honor to be invited. I absolutely love your work. I've been following your your goodies for a long time, so thank you for all that you do to uh, help folks. It's awesome. Well, thanks, Colleen. So I like to start these interview shows with a question about the pivotal moments in our life because um, I I want people to understand that we all started somewhere, and it usually wasn't with grandparents recognizing that we were shamans in the womb and, and beginning to teach us before we were even born, and all of those wonderful stories that we get from indigenous shamans. That, but most of us got raised as contemporary people, and we're totally confused and lost, and many of us sick. Absolutely. <laughs> and somehow we found ourselves here anyway. So as you look back... Are there a couple moments, one or two moments that really stand out now as pivotal moments that made you the woman that you are today that perhaps at the time you didn't even realize were pivotal? You just did what you felt you needed to do. Is there, are there moments like that? Yes, absolutely. Starting way, way back, I'm really blessed to, um, yes, I grew up in a, in a contemporary um, family, but my family is very nature-connected, and so that was really a blessing for me. I spent a lot, a lot, a lot of time in nature. It was very connected with spirit and nature in that way, but realized at a very young age that my connection was different even than my parents, in that I could see and feel and know things that that they didn't. And so that that's one of the moments or times, I guess I, I could say that I knew in, in some way there was something different. And then as a teenager, um, it was I was just very unusual where most women, girls are getting their nails done and shopping and such. 
um, I was reading every book I could get my hands on, on mountain men and Native Americans and spending time outdoors and, and such, and then um, started having visions and dreams of, of um, you know, that I just couldn't explain and knew that there was really no one that I could ask. And so just interestingly, kind of just sat with that and let, let Spirit teach me, even though I didn't even know what that was at the time. And then, of course, the illness and, and finally being diagnosed and being told that there was nothing that, that could be done. I was just going to have to learn to live with this horrendous illness. And, and I said, uh, no, I don't think so. I'm going to go searching the world for any witch doctor I can find. And, of course, found that that was within. <laughs> so, you know, that was, that was a, a huge defining moment, too. And then, and then in that, of course, realizing... Um, that part of that was part of my initiation and calling is not only for my own healing, but to help others find theirs so that they can find their own connection with spirit and their own understanding to, to live this in, in whatever way is, is correct for them. So I always find this interesting with people, especially when they come at that place of just um, a huge pile of health problems and not really knowing where even to begin. And I'm wondering if you have a sense if there are things, not not just that there are things we can do for self-healing, but are there parts on that list that we must do, that, that yeah. we are the only person who can do that thing in our healing? Absolutely. <clears throat> for me, what it, what it came down to in my learning and what Spirit was constantly showing me and what I was learning through all the different modalities I was trying, whether they were self-applied or going to someone else for energy work or massage or acupuncture or whatever, is it all boils down to energy. And one of the things that I think is so crucial for shamans is to take a look at energy. How are we spending our energy? Where are, are we leaking it? Um, are we blocked in some ways? Um, and, and where are we garnering energy? Um, are we getting out in nature? Are we doing journeys? Are we connecting with spirit all throughout the day where we have this energy exchange that keeps the energy flowing? And, and it seems to me that we are the only ones that can do that. Yeah, you can go for energy work. You can go for shamanic healings with someone. But, but we have this daily need. It's like even almost more important to me. I feel like then your daily recommended dose of vitamins and, and such is this daily need of, of energy, of, of potent, wild, vital, um, pure, potent energy. And, and that's something that we, I, I, I really feel, must do for ourselves. So um, from that then, are, what are the, the main um, Sort of as we build on that, then what are the main things that are the parts of a person's self-healing? And like you said, which they may be self-applying or may be receiving assistance from others. So what are kind of the main categories that a person needs to really look at if they're going to self-heal? Um, again, um, where are they losing energy, um, I think is a real good place to start. Um, sometimes we lose energy in uh, the conditionings that we've grown up with. Perhaps we give way too much of ourselves to others without replenishing our own 
energies in that process. So, uh, or we um, have a lot of negative chatter, um, or our, our mental process is just really scattered and chaotic and um, running amok, so to speak. Um, those kinds of things just use a lot of energy and take energy. So one of the things would be to really look at what we're doing with, with our energy. And is it a, a beneficial thing or a not-so-beneficial thing? I try to stay away from negative and positive um, dichotomies here, but, you know, is it something that's beneficial for us? You know, so if we're sitting around, um, oh, you know, we're driving to pick up the kids or whatever, and we've got this, cyclical thing going on in our minds where we're thinking and thinking and thinking, and it's not necessarily beneficial kinds of things, that's, that's spending energy where um, we could possibly be using that time <clears throat> to, to think about um, different colors or different energy vibrations or connecting with spirit or looking at the positive things in our life, the happy things, the things that bring us energy, that bring us nurturance. And that's a real difference right there. It's subtle, but it's a real difference in, in energy expenditure. Where with those kinds of things, we're actually gaining energy versus spending energy. And then, of course, uh, connecting with spirit and nature on a regular basis is, is very reinvigorating and, and brings that in as well. So that's another foundation is, is so if we are spending energy, which we all do, where do we garner energy? Where do we replenish? Where do we fill up and so that we can shine and, and, and be strong and healthy? So within all of this, um, are there things that you notice as you work with people that are sort of like common contemporary patterns that people get into where on one hand, they really are committed and doing you know everything they can for their self-healing, but on the other hand, they're undermining or disempowering their healing process. Yeah, I, I really, I see that a lot. There, it's an interesting thing where I believe uh, what I've seen is that we've been taught from a very young age that it's really not okay for us to be full of energy and happy and powerful. You know, whether that comes from the old children should be seen and not heard kind of thing or... Uh, the religious kinds of, of precepts that we have about spirit and um, and connection being outside of us rather than inside of us. It's a, it's a kind of insidious thing that a lot of people really, they, they might even have the mental concept that the power is within them, but they don't really let themselves have it or own it or be okay with it. Um, and that, that's one of the things that, that feels very cultural uh, to me with a lot of people I've worked with. And, and it's a place where when people try really hard, eventually they can, they can overcome that, they can work through that, um, but it takes a bit. So, so even people who are really wanting to heal or wanting to expand, wanting to grow and so forth, often will have a struggle with, but who am I to do this? How how can I have the power? Um, we, we just get taught to give our power away, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you notice a difference in that sort of programming um, by gender? No, actually, I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, 
No, I'm really finding that across the board. Um, I think for a long time, men weren't quite willing to admit that that was the case. Um, but I'm finding that, that uh, really um, just about everyone is experiencing that. Of course, layered with other different expectations and, and things like that about how they should behave and, and so forth, depending on gender. But it seems like kind of at the core, there's that um, disempowerment. And I, I don't like to use those buzzwords, but it, it feels like it's another place where, where we lose energy because we just aren't sure that we're okay with letting ourselves have that. Yeah. It seems to me that this kind of fundamental um, confusion, I guess, in contemporary Americans at least, is really what's also driving the... Um, the Occupy movement or whatever we're calling it now, is that that recognition that I need to wake up out of this. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I think why we're really getting into alternative medicines and and questioning doctors and so forth, we're not just, um, you know, taking for granted that they know it all or having the view that they're the expert and God, now there's still plenty of that, but a, a lot more people are starting to say now, hey, now wait a minute, you know, what about vaccinations what about medication versus herbs uh, and so forth so yeah it's it's um funny for me i'm between myself and my parents were poised right between the generation in when my parents case where they would really like the doctors to still be god mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and still be absolutely correct and that that last place where that idea is still in place whereas my generation is like we can't believe in any of those systems completely you know we're post watergate you know, you, exactly. don't, you can't completely give over to any system because they're all potentially not what they appear to be. And, and frankly, I think shamanically or shamanism aligns more on that line that, you know, you can't ever completely just um, give up your responsibility to your own power. I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So along this line of self-healing... Um, I wanted to ask a couple other questions. The, the main, the next one being though, how how do you think um, practitioners, especially these alternative care practitioners, um, can be really responsible to supporting their client self healing? You know, like, how do they stay out of the way of that? Yeah, you know, um, that's a great question, and I have found I've worked with so many wonderful people who do this really well. Um, some of the practitioners that I've gone to, some of the ones that I work with, and some that I have trained in the apprenticeships and so forth. Um, and I just love it when practitioners really go in very humble, connected with spirit, and connect with the person's soul self, and do what needs to be done to help jumpstart whatever that might be. Be that a soul retrieval, be that some acupuncture, you know, be that some energy movement and so forth. But then really... Uh, really approach this as this is the person's responsibility um, and you're just a partner in that. You are not a healer. You are you not the expert. You don't have any more power, so to speak, than the person themselves. And in fact, they are the experts of themselves. And in educating people about what they can do on a daily basis, shamanism to me is very practical. It's what works right here, right now, in any situation. And so in self-shamanism, it's really about 
what can I do in any given moment that helps me feel better? And when practitioners help a person sort that out, it's really incredible the miracles that, that happen when, you know, we're working together, but then that person can really take that and find that in their own lives. Uh, that's just really amazing to see the different things that happen with that. So my next question along this line is just um, what is your sense of like the absolute fundamental basics that practitioners need to do to maintain their own self-healing so that they can step out there in integrity as a practitioner? Yeah, you know, practitioners, it's really, really important that we all continue to always do our own work. You know, the name of the, the book is The Hollow Bone, and it's important that we all become that hollow bone as often as possible to keep working on our own stuff, to clear things away wherever we find those conditionings coming up, those teachings that may or may not be so helpful for us, those places where we get caught, um, where we get stuck, um, and or places that the energy is not moving. So really continuing to do our own personal work is so incredibly important. We really need to do our own um, looking deep within to clear out those things that, that might be causing any blockages so that we aren't the hollow bone, but then also to keep a very strong nature and spirit connection, to, to get out for those walks in nature. I do it on a daily basis, no matter what the weather is. And I live in Michigan, which can be pretty cold and <laughs> nasty, but you know, you bundle up and you get out there and it's never as bad as what it looks. And it's always so fulfilling um, and, and cleansing too, you know, to do that. And then to do our own journeys, you know, to keep those connections with the helping spirits and the ancestors and the power animals very strong. That, that helps us to to really be the best practitioner we can be where we, you know, get out of the way and really let spirit do the work. Um, so let's look at shamanism as a way of living then in addition to healing. I mean, we've talked a lot about self-healing and that whole piece, but what I like about um, your book, of course, because it aligns with what I think is important about because <laughs> I'm completely biased. Um, but that is that sense that that to to pigeonhole shamanism as this set of modalities we use to do this particular kind of healing is to almost completely miss the boat. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> You know, that totally shamanism agree. in its big sense is really about a new, an, an old or a renewal of an old way of engaging with our lives. And it, in, it requires a complete, well, for me at least, it required a complete transformation of the sort of belief structure I was given as a typical American kid. But shamanism, I, I really believe, is a way of living. Um, so... What do you feel are kind of the key elements then if one were to begin to live shamanically? Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Um, you know, when I started to um, sit down and, and write The Hollow Bone, I thought, how am I going to describe what shamanism is? I, I live it, but I haven't really, you know, put the words to it. And, and as I sat with that and talked with Spirit about that, it became very clear that that it is it is so vast and it's so huge, it's really undefinable um, in, in that it's really about action 
and the doing. And that action and doing is blended with the being, you know, so there's that dance of, of doing and being. And, and that's every moment, 24-7, 365, that we have the opportunity to be in connection with spirit, to really be listening to ourselves and know if we're coming from our ego or from our soul self, um, to be in, in awareness of what's going on within us and within other people and within the world and within nature. Um, and it really is um, an all-inclusive kind of thing that, like I said, is 24-7, 365. It's not just the 15 minutes that we're journeying or if we're a practitioner and we're in session with a client. It's all the time. So um, one of the things that you talk, talk about in your book is the idea of animism. And would you just share with us what that means to you in the context of shamanism and living shamanically? Sure. Um, animism is, is that everything is animated. Um, but to go deeper than that, it's that everything is energy. Everything is a soul and everything is a spirit. Everything, even the bookshelf that was man-made or the car, um, everything is energy and everything is a soul. And so when we connect with that um, the, the intelligence of that and the vibrations of that, um, it just really changes our lives when we're aware that we are energy, we are a soul, and we are spirit, and that everyone and everything else is as well. There's much more of a resonance and a connection, and we're all related because we all are made of that same energy, so that energy that we are maintains us sustains us, but is also what creates us and destroys us and remakes us and so forth. So it's, it's kind of a, a, a big, broad, interconnected way of looking at things, um, again, as, as energy. Everything is energy and, and everything is, is spirit. And, and the, the implication, I think, in that is that people need to really grasp if you're going to live shamanically is we is we can't really live from that place of understanding that everything is energy and everything's connected and everything affects everything and you know, like all of that whole big oneness thing right uh-huh. and and continue to hold on to the idea that we are separate from god exactly which is fundamental to most religious teachings mm-hmm. and i see this struggle with people as they go deeper and deeper into the trying to really live this is the hold that that early religious training has on their awareness and that inability to finally bridge that gap into that oneness with god it's like you don't need to change that early kid's idea feeling of God, you just need to change the lie everybody told you that you had to be separate from that. Right. Yeah. All you have to do is include yourself in that. Um, You know, we are all children of God and we are all a part of that. And in fact, there's, you know, you probably have this understanding as well that, that, that we are actually created so that energy and consciousness could experience itself. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in, in just that little twist of understanding helps us to to create that bridge 
that, that keeps us from feeling separate. And, as long, and while we're talking about separateness and oneness here, I, I always throw in that, that people also feel separate from nature, but we mm-hmm. are nature. Everything is nature. People are nature. And that's one of the things that shamans have always known, is that we are, we are nature. We are not separate from that. And therefore, there's the whole interconnectedness with, with that as well. But that's a, another part of what happens in our culture with that separateness. Then we think we can own it, control it, kill it, you know, use it to mm-hmm. our advantage, all of that kind of stuff. Um, where actually we need to work in relation with that rather than that view of, of separateness and control. Yeah, one of the ways I see this play out with people is um, one of the selves that, I, that in the four-year training I we're trying to get connected to is our true nature. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's like people are so in their heads and confused about what that could possibly be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. really such a symptom of our contemporary time and our separation from nature and understanding that in that, you know, it's like people feel more comfortable eventually reaching into that sort of oneness with the divine energy and seeing the divine in all things. But it's that other side of it, which is, well, the other thing is that the divine is nature. <laughs> nature mm-hmm. is, you know, that, and that actually we're recognizing the, the nature in things, the, mm-hmm. the true nature of everything. And, um, and then there's just this, you can see this like disconnect just goes through the brain. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Because nature is not always warm and fuzzy, you know. (laughs) There's a lot of creation and destruction that happens in nature and uh, and therefore a lot of fear. So so you're right. It's it's easier to to think of divine because we think of that as as positive and helping and and so forth. But when you bring into the the nature into that, that's wild and unpredictable and and, and people aren't so sure that they want to align with that. Yeah, and... True wilderness, of course, for most of us, could kill us before we'd figure out how to survive in it. Mm-hmm. For sure. And yet, um, I think when we actually go and, and experience wilderness, not that there's that much left on the planet to go experience, but if we do really put ourselves far enough into it where we realize, if I were not in this on this boat or in this whatever I'm in that's that's giving me a way to survive in this wilderness I would die mm-hmm. there's a part of us that is so happy since mm-hmm. <laughs> that mm-hmm. like oh well, thank goodness you finally came home exactly exactly and and then you feel so humbled and so connected you know I I'm a very outdoor person and spend a lot of time in the wilderness um, but the, the one that really got me was a few years ago when I went elk hunting um, outside of Cody, Wyoming, with my dad and brother and, and one of their friends. And we're up there with bow and arrow, no guns, and it's grizzly country and mountain lion country. There are no cell phones. You know, there is nothing. And you, you learn real quick that you are not the top of the food chain. And you, you know, you, you get that connection and that understanding of you are simply a part of this whole vast and, and wonderful thing that we call wild nature. Um, and it's a real, real learning for people to think about what that might be like. Um, so anyway. Well, and, yeah. And I was just thinking about that because when we talk about because another piece of living shamanically is how important this connection with spirit is. 
and I feel like so few people have that kind of experience where they recognize how alive and how filled with spirit we are in those kind of moments mm-hmm. versus sitting here meditating about, you know, the white light and, you know, being all connected to the divine with my temperature controlled home and sitting on my little, you know, meditation cushion with all my little like journey accoutrement around me. And it's like, oh, for goodness sakes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and to to recognize that um, the connection with spirit when we feel so incredibly alive is when our senses are engaged and there is a possibility of death. And all of a sudden, all those teachings about death as an ally and this and that and the other thing come together and what it means to be connected with spirit takes on a whole multidimensional new awareness, I think. Absolutely. And, and I think a lot of practitioners experience that when they're teaching classes and they're working in sessions on behalf of someone else who, you know, it's a little different than realizing you're in a different place on the food chain, but you're in that place of, of realizing the, the, the huge potent uh, energies that are there and how valuable and how important it is, you know, this person's life might depend on this journey or might depend on what's taught in this class. And, you know, I think a lot of practitioners really get that connection where, um, you know, if you're not doing it of service, and that's okay, not everyone is called to be of service, but if you are of service, that too is one of those really humbling experiences where you get it and you go, oh, this is way bigger than me. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. so, so powerful and so important. Yeah. So um, one of the things uh, that's in your book is the statement that shamans cannot undertake personal healing, action in the world, and service to the community using only their personal life force energy. That they must harness the more powerful energies of nature, spirit, and the non-ordinary worlds. And I think you were really just beginning to talk about this some more, but talk a little bit about what you mean about this raw, pure energy, because you just, you know, you just talked about sort of two very different ways to tap it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So- in, in a lot of a lot of people, um, you know, feel like they have to use their own energy for things, um, and that's that's where especially people can get into trouble um, with caretaking for others and so forth forth is it gets very draining. And the the beauty of shamanism is that we don't have to do it alone. In fact, we're not meant to do it alone. We're meant to do it in connection with these omnipotent powers that are right here with us all the time. All we have to do is open up and ask and and receive and perceive and, and connect with that and utilize those energies. That was one of the things that was a huge initiation for me with healing from the illnesses that I had as I was doing everything I could, but it was beyond my power. And in learning how to journey and connecting with spirit and being taught then how to draw in those energies to move them through my body and my cells and my energy field so that I would vibrate at a higher level that would be much higher vibration than these viruses that were in my body that are, you know, were creating all kinds of havoc. Um, that's not something that 
I could have done uh, by myself. I, I believe that's something that is what occurs with acupuncture and different things like that. But when we, when we access that with spirit, we don't have to go to an acupuncturist or so forth. That's available to us all the time, wherever we are. There are amazing energies and vibrations that can shift us and move us out of that stuck, stagnant place. And when we connect with that, that you know, what I call raw, pure, higher vibrational energy, um, and I don't mean that in a, you know, it's the white light kind of thing. Raw nature energy is, it vibrates just at a very different level than than the human body, especially the the ill human body. In my experience, what I've been shown is that the the ill person tends to, to be very sluggish energetically and vibrate very lowly, which is perhaps why they became sick in the first the first place. And then that that sickness continues to to create that cycle where that continues. But when we can shift that and begin to to vibrate in a different uh, higher vibration, then then that shifts everything physically, mentally, emotionally. Um, and so forth. So it's when we connect with those other energies that we can bring that in and, again, create that bridge that opens the door for that to flow through us and then become um, us and, and then helps us to do whatever it is we're doing, whether it's healing from an illness or trying to bring abundance into our lives or whatever that is. So... Um, it, 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 it's so important to connect with those other energies and the wisdom that comes with that as well. So this is what I think I'm hearing in what you're saying that I want to bring out even more. But if it's not what you're saying, please feel free to correct me. Sure. <laughs> but, um, but because I see this two ways, and my sense of what you're saying, which I think is really exciting, um, is is that that a that the the person who is ill is in a certain state of is certain energetic state mm-hmm. and to connect with these raw energies it brings something else in that doesn't exist in the sick state and that exactly. and that part of what you were doing was was allowing that to move through you and then incorporating it in such a way that you became a new person, not the, no longer the sick person, but it's the sick person plus the new energy becoming this other person. Exactly. And using that energy to transform. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. Versus this other more passive thing that I think is happening with people and sometimes gets in the way of their self-healing where it's just, it's passive. I mean, they're willing to let it run through. But there's no sense of I'm going to need to be a different person here, and here is what I'm going to be able to use to 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 let that shift happen. And I might not even know where I'm going with that shift, and maybe this energy will shove me in the right direction. But that I have to be willing to let go of who I am because who I am is ill, right? And it and and this this complement of energy is always going to add up to ill. That I need mm-hmm. to bring something new in so it can add up to something else, which means I have to be willing to become that new person. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's not a passive experience. You, not that you know necessarily where you're going, but exactly. you know you have to engage in getting there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. 
and you're right, that is absolutely not passive. And it, it, it's, it's sort of this funny juxtaposition where you have to step into it and let go and let it, let it do whatever it is. And like you said, you might not even know what that is. And yet you have to take responsibility for that as well um, because some of those, those things are going to come in and cause you to shift and cause you to perhaps even make some lifestyle changes or some belief changes or, you know, whatever that may be. And, and so, so it's kind of a, it's one of those things in shamanism that's a little hard to wrap your mind around is, is how do I let go and still take responsibility? Mm-hmm. Um, but, and that's one of those places where I just always suggest to people that, you know, drop into your heart, drop into your center, and you'll know. Um, you, you know, tap into what you feel using your felt sense, all of your senses, you know, connect with that and, and you'll know. And then it's a combination of your body, your mind, your emotions, your soul all working together. Um, and, and then you can do that because shamanism is so about the whole being. It's, it, you know, it's, it's holistic. It's, it's not just using my thought, but it's also not ignoring my thought. So, you know, we have to bring in all of our capacities to create these shifts and these changes and it it does seem to me that you're you've you've gone to this next place here very naturally about really talking about how these energies um benefit us if we are not identified as ill or not identified as shamans like you said not everybody's called to be a shamanic healer (laughs) but I always feel like, but everyone's really called to live shamanically. I agree. Mm-hmm. And so, so how we talked a lot about how this 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 raw nature energy is beneficial if we're ill. But how how would you talk about people who are listening maybe today that aren't necessarily ill but are thinking, "Ooh, I want to connect with that energy," but 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 what would I do with it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. What what might how would this benefit then just the everyday person who's intrigued by this idea and how might they just begin to connect with it? Yeah, that's a really good question um, because you know we're talking about illness and so I'll, I'll move to it's about intention as well. So um, most everybody I know has some sort of issue that they they want to work with, whether it's illness or whether it's um, success in their business or abundance or um, having healthier relationships. Uh, you know, relationships are often difficult. It's, it's one of the places where we have the ability to learn so much from from others and those that, that challenge us and, and those that are very loving as well and, and so forth. And so when we're connected with these, these other energies, um, we can be more open and receptive and perceptive, um, especially when we're working with other people. This is one of the places where the energy exchange is something that some people can really feel and connect with and, and use in their awareness um, you know, to, to move that to a healthier place, especially in places where there are conflicts. Um, one of the, the teachers that I had that I, I truly love is Myra Nishowski, who does a lot of work in conflict resolution. And this is one of the places where sensing someone's energies and their needs and, and their things that are going on and, 
and noting where that is in you as well, because sometimes obviously we trigger each other in those those same spots. And then bringing in the wisdom and, and the high potent energies of spirit and ancestors and so forth can really help change the dynamic in our relationships, in workplaces, um, and all of that. So it's not just about using this for a physical illness or perhaps even emotional, mental illness, but just in being able to live more connected with one another, more with more peace and more compassion and more understanding. You know, when we're understanding what's going on in energetic uh, exchanges with people, we can be less reactionary and more responsive, and that can really shift things. So that's another way that, that a lot of people are using this, as well as to create that oneness within themselves. A lot of people seem to feel like they're fighting. You know, there's the, the story that's going around of the grandfather walking with his grandson and saying there are two wolves inside of me fighting each other and, and which one will win, the one that you feed the most. And, and a lot of people are feeling that that duality within themselves, which is part of this earth walk. And so in connecting with these energies and spirits, people often find that that bridge to uh, within themselves of where the ego, um, the mind, it can become at peace with the soul self and the, you know, the other energies flowing through us. So, you know, it doesn't have to be about just illness, but about living in a, in a more awakened, harmonious way. So before we run out of time here, I did want to take a moment because you have a number of books that support a lot of what we're talking about. And I was wondering if you could just go through your five books, kind of from the perspective of if you're looking for this, get this one first. Okay, sure. <laughs> if you're looking for this, get this one. And just yep. so that people could have a sense of where, you know, where to go. Absolutely. Um, I'll, I'll start at the beginning. Um, when I was in a soul retrieval training is when I was guided to write a book and, and I just laughed and said, yeah, right, I'm going to write a book. I don't know the difference between a verb and a noun. How am I going to write a book? And Spirit said, just write from what you know. And so the, the first book um, is about my journey through healing and learning these different kinds of things. And, and so it's kind of a very basic um, learn through, through my experience kind of thing of, of learning some self-hypnosis, meditation, journeying, and there's lots of journeys listed in there and stuff. And that book is called Journey to Wholeness, Personal Healing Through Spirit and Soul Self-Connection. That book is not published by a publishing company. Um, I just uh, offer it through manuscript form right now on my website. So if anyone's looking for learning through a story, um, that, that can help. And, and it does teach some of the different modalities so that someone can use that. And, and then um, the next book is Inner Power, Six Techniques for Increased Energy and Self-Healing. And that really goes into detail explaining the different techniques that I talk about in Journey to Wholeness. And these are the ones that were really powerful for me in life-changing kinds of, of things that I did in order to help myself heal. And it has really helped a lot of other people heal. So it goes into more detail about 
teaching how to do meditation, self-hypnosis, journeying, um, moving energy, and the psyche inventory, which is a really important thing where we go deeper and deeper and keep asking questions. What's underneath this feeling? Okay, I'm feeling anxiety. What's underneath that? And, and, okay, now what's underneath that? You know, to really dig down and get into those things that, that once we become aware of, then we can choose to let go or utilize or, or, or however. So that's a really good one for someone who's looking to try some different things, not just for physical illness, but to, to really begin to open up and grow and do some self-exploration. Then the next book I did is Energy for Life, Connect with the Source. Oh, and Inner Power and Energy for Life are published by Llewellyn. And Energy for Life is an expanded version of the energy movement chapter that's in Inner Power. There's well over 100 different ways to move energy detailed in this book, and it has a CD with it. Um, and so it's more like energetic triage. This is the one I recommend when someone says, I am really frustrated with my life. I'm, I just can't do this anymore. Or I am really sick. I don't even have the energy to get out of bed. Or I've just been diagnosed with this, that, or whatever. That's the one I recommend to get right in and start doing it. Start shifting that energy. Start moving that energy. Then I wrote Seeing in the Dark. Claim Your Own Shamanic Power Now and in the Coming Age. And that book is how to be your own shaman, how to utilize um, extraction, um, energy movement, soul retrieval, all those kinds of things for your own benefit. And then um, The Hollow Bone, A Field Guide to Shamanism, is more of a what is shamanism. Um, the, the, and those two are published by Red Wheel Wiser. And the folks at Redwell Weiser were saying, you know, there's a lot of great how-to books in shamanism, but what really is shamanism? And, you know, can you explore that? And, and so that's what that book is. It's more of a what is and, and, and has a lot of wonderful stories in it, I think, of shamans around the world who tell their stories about their awakening or their calling or their experience with this. Um, so it kind of helps to clarify. A lot of people are moved to live shamanically, but they don't even really know why or how, and this just helps to, to kind of bring some focus in on that. So, thank you. I think that would be really helpful for people, <laughs> yeah. Um, so in our last few minutes here, I just wanted to talk about one piece. I probably didn't leave enough time for it, but anyway, um, it, it, one of the things that this book, The Hollow Bone, talks about is that... Um, you know, for us to do this, we need to wake up to our awareness of self, among other things. And what does that piece mean? You know, we've talked about the nature piece and the connection with spirit piece and those things. But what does it mean to you to wake up to yourself as, as a fundamental piece of doing all of this? Yeah, excellent question. You know, a, a lot of us don't know ourselves. We, we are who others want us to be or who we think we are, but don't even really know what really makes us tick, what really makes us move. And so it's that spending that time um, really analyzing what it is that we love, that we desire, that we want, that we, and, and 
And also, what is it that we're thinking about and what is it that we're doing? Because sometimes those things um, don't coincide. So, you know, we may want, um, you know, to be really peaceful and compassionate, and yet we're driving down the road, um, putting ourselves down and cussing and swearing at the person that just cut us off. And so really looking at those kinds of things, like um, one of the things I love to do is, is just every now and then throughout the day, we'll stop and say, what am I thinking? Because we don't even realize that we're probably thinking most of the time. And what is it that we're thinking? And whenever um, we have an action, you know, why did I do that? And not as in the, you know, the, you know, some people will do that and drive themselves nuts with that, that they're second guessing everything. This isn't a second guessing. This is an exploration. And you do it with, with no judgment, just as a witness. What's, what's really happening here? What's really happening here? Why am I thinking this? What am I thinking? Hmm, where does that come from? Huh, that's curious. You know, and, and to really look at it in that non-judgmental, um, kind of distanced from yourself kind of way. And then you get to, to really see more about who you are and what makes you tick. Asking spirit to help show you that is really powerful as well and, and very enlightening. So would this be then what you would consider the be- the begin sort of the beginning level awareness to to really start to become a hollow bone within yourself? Yeah, yeah. I have a friend that would would say you can't be a hollow bone if you're full of shit. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we have to look at what that is, <laughs> and some of it we want to keep, and some of it needs to go. And, yeah. and but but we can't do that if we're not even aware of what's there. So yeah, the very beginning is just looking, just looking, and doing so without judgment, and that's the key. You know, we beat ourselves up enough. Do it without that. Just do it as an exploration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I started noticing that people started referring to journeying, the act of journeying, as being being a hollow bone. And and I just thought, oh, people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I need to back up here because mm-hmm. you can just be in before shit. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And then your journeys are just coming through whatever filters, yeah, are in there. And you know, and it's a great start. But <laughs> we we really do have to do the self exploration work. Uh, you know, another thing that's really helpful in that is ask others around you to point things out. You know, and this can be a little tough, but also. <laughs> really educational. It, you know, if you can get to a place where you're, you're just calm and accepting and non-judgmental, but, you know, you, you ask people to, to share what they see, it's very enlightening. Yeah. This because, is... you know, we tend to look through our, our, excuse me, our own lens. And when you open up to all the other lenses, you get a bigger picture. Yeah. This, I think, is one of the great values of truly having a, a, a community, a shamanic community around you that has this skill embedded in the value system. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but um we ran mm-hmm. out of time to talk about that today. So I just want to say profound thanks and gratitude to you, Colleen, for being with us here today and for sharing your um journey and the wealth of wisdom that comes to us from your journey. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Christine. I really, really enjoyed talking with you and thank you so much for having me. It's a great honor. 
So I give thanks to your ancestors and to mine and all those who are listening on the show here today. We give thanks, profound thanks to the earth below and the energy of nature that swirls around us on the face of this gorgeous planet. We give thanks to the sky above and we give thanks to the heart in each one of you because it is the heart that unites us all. Thank you, everyone. Have a great week.